The word gospel translates to news that brings joy. But this isn't just any news. A gospel is news that changes a life forever. After being invaded and enslaved by Persia, Greece won two decisive battles at Marathon and Solnus. The Greeks sent out heralds, also called evangelists, to proclaim the good news to the cities. We have fought for you. We have won. And now you're no longer slaves. You're free. The reality is that we are all slaves, slaves to sin and slaves to death. We are slaves in need of good news. Enter Jesus, God's Son, fully God, fully man, bringing news that would change our lives forever. His news was this, I am the divine, come to you to do what you could not do for yourself. I will take what you deserve so you can have what I deserve. You have no idea how much it will cost me, but you also cannot imagine the depths of my love for you. It is a gift that I give freely. So repent. Repent from all the ways you've run from me and follow me. Follow me because I am the only way to eternal life. Follow me because I'm the Savior you've been looking for. Follow me because I have authority over everything, yet I have humbled myself for you. Follow me because I died on a cross for you, because I'm your true love and your true life. This is my good news for you. This is my gospel, that you have been saved by grace and that you are slaves no more. Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou be. Y'all not ready for church this morning. <laughs> There's a lamb of God who's come. And I have the presence of mind to understand that there are many of us who've come as well. And we don't think it's a safe enough place to respond. Your pastor has extended the invitation for a brother from another mother to be a part of this experience. And just help me preach in the very onset of the message. Turn to somebody and say, it's a safe place today. Y'all didn't sound like you meant that. I don't know if it's really, am I in the right place, Pastor Josh? So let's do this. I often get a chance to travel and I applaud those who are military servicemen, service women who protect our shores from encroachment, those in the first responder position, those who are those keeping the gate. And we need to celebrate. Did you hear the phone ring? That was God saying, celebrate those who protect our shores, our cities. Yeah. Hallelujah. But I must be repentant because it's far too rare that we publicly, appreciatively applaud the men and women who protect our soul. 
So right now, I want to thank God for your pastor. Josh, thank you for allowing me to be here. His bride, Casey, met me in the parking lot and said, I'm so glad that you're here. I know you look like Denzel and it's a wonderful. No, she didn't say that. She didn't say that. She didn't say any of that. But she did welcome me onto the campus. I want to thank a longtime brother and friend whose diapers I used to change, Brad Tollison, for being in the midst, and his bride, Jessica, for allowing me to be here. So today, it is my humble privilege to invite you to get off your blessed assurance and do something about the word. You cannot sit idly by and expect that this message can go in one ear and out the I pray that you didn't come here looking at me, looking at you to look at me. I pray this morning is a day of decision where you say, here I am, God, speak. Your servant is going to listen and respond. So the call to worship, welcome to church, is an invitation for you to get personal, to get public, to get focused, and to get intentional. I know what we need to do. Y'all remember Simon Says? Y'all remember, it's the game where Simon tells you to do something and then you do that. Can we do one quick round? One, just favor me. Simon says, stand. This might be the last time everybody stands in the midst of the worship encounter. Simon says, put your right hand in. Put your right hand out. Oh, see, those who did it wrong, you maybe Simon didn't tell you to. Simon says, put your right hand in again. Shake it all about. I cannot believe y'all even did this. Everybody have a seat. This is amazing. All of y'all just lost. Simon did not say sit down. <laughs> but what I do need to serve us notice concerning is that too often in this life's journey, we do a lot of listening to Simon and very little listening to Savior. Today is not about your way. It's about Yahweh. And he's come to arrest our ADD attention that we would know what he has in store for us. So I want you to turn your attention to what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 16, verse 13 through 18. What Jesus says helps us celebrate those who protect our souls. What Jesus says makes the environment of welcome to church back into the fellowship or in the fellowship for the first time a safe place to truly respond. What Jesus says invites those who argued all the way to church this morning to have peace in the household. Anybody? If you know someone on your row who argued to get here, don't look at them. Blink at me right quick. Blink at me. If in the car, that discussion was had. You make me sick. Well, you always make me late. Well, your mama, no, your mom. Then you get here, hallelujah. <laughs> Praise the Lord. It's a wonderful day in the neighborhood. Hypocrisy. Knowing what Jesus says helps me to deal with those who called me before I got here, and they said, I'm going through divorce again. And I don't know if that particular fellowship will welcome and I'm not talking about Bethel. I'm talking about fellowships that gather at addresses around the globe that make it unsafe to deal with your dilemma when you're most needy for the Lamb of God who takes away the sins 
of the world. Anybody ready today to not do church light? Anyone come desiring the more of the one who came seeking to save those who are lost? I gave you time to find Matthew. In this 16th chapter, the word of the Lord says, when Jesus came to Moody, Alabama, I mean, Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the son of man is? And he asked me the same question today on my 50th birthday. Who do you say the son of man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, and still others Jeremiah are one of the prophets. But Jesus gets real personal and he asks, what about you? Simon Peter, who had foot and mouth disease, spoke up. You ever know those people who will say something before they think it through? Who already have spoken before it was time to be in the speaking realm? Peter says, you are the Christ, son of the living God. And Jesus replied in a way that blesses. He said, blessed are you, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by the Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Petros, Peter, and on this rock I build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. This morning, I invite you to what is personal. I invite you to what is purposeful. I invite you to what is positional, and I'm inviting you to what is powerful. I'll give it to you again for the C personalities that said, what in the world? I'm going to tell you what I'm going to tell you, then I'm going to tell you, then I'm going to tell you what I told you, because that's good homiletic and hermeneutic preaching. <laughs> I'm going to tell you five things that Jesus said, and the five things are personal. Say personal. Purposeful. Positional. They are prayerful. And they're powerful. Let's go to work. I'm still in the text. Because what Jesus says in five challenging assignments is first personal. He calls on us to understand when he asks, who do you say I am, that you can't call a committee to answer that for you. That's not a committee on a committee on a committee to tell you the colors of the carpet and what kind of lily pads to put in the baptistry. It's personal. The question gets underneath your skin because he who had no skin put on skin to get in your skin. When you see this text, you understand that I know that my 2017 was rough. Show of hands. Had some hiccups, some bumps, some monkey wrenches in my program, some oops upside the head, a sucker punch here and there. 2017. That's why God gave you 2018 for a fresh encounter and start. I brought my own amens. Preach, Mike. Amen. And when you see the text, then you begin to realize you are a part of a prophecy. You are a part of what is being fulfilled, not when you get as old as Pastor Josh, who looks every bit of 17. <laughs> you, you get an understanding that there's prophecy being filled. Watch this. Today, in your hearing, right now, it's not church light. It's not church like you've always known it. It is church relevant. It is church rhema. It is church needed and necessary. It is prophecy being fulfilled today in Matthew 16. Jesus gets 
personal. But he assures in the challenge that on him, the rock statement of the gospel, salvation, he would build his church, a congregation that is the ecclesia, which is transliterated free people. Look at your neighbor and ask, are you free? Now help me preach. Tell him, tell your face. I'm free. You're looking at a free black man. Because nothing about Mike Satterfield and slavery go together. That's like spandex and obesity <laughs> at Walmart. You seen it? I was there last night. Jesus, take the wheel. <laughs> 75 years of age with Juicy written across. Get back in the vehicle. <laughs> Let me get back to my assignment. It's personal. And he assures that a congregation of ecclesia freed people are assigned to look again at the word and live like you are set free. Because whom the son is set free, he or she is free indeed. That's grinning rights with all 32 or how many teeth you got left. I'm free. And that's personal for me. Because I'm sure his disciples scratched their head and they looked at Jesus when he asked, who do you say I am? And they began to, among themselves, say, the last sermons he preached ran some folk off. He's talking about eat his body and drink his blood. I didn't sign up for the cannibalism part of the fellowship. And people then show forth that in discipleship, you get some fair-weathered friends. Those who are with you ride or die if the season's going well and the team is victorious. But as soon as somebody drops something, I say, amen. <laughs> you drop the football and you don't score the touchdown. And then we're checking out the church down the street around the corner with the sign in the lawn saying, coming soon. I look at this and I see that it's personal. And he says, who do you say I am? And Peter spoke up. And today I'm looking for a Peter. I'm looking for a Petros. I'm looking for at least a Patricia. Somebody who will say, you are who exactly you've told us you'd be, the son of the living God. He is here. He's personal. And this is how in-depth it gets. He uses a Romans 10, 17 to help me with my Matthew 16. And in the text, he says, faith comes by hearing the gospel, God life message. And that God life message is the word that you must adhere to. It's not what Simon says. It's every bit of what Jehovah says. And what he wanted to say was Jesus. Period. It's enough to soothe every doubt, to calm every fear, to bid you to come unto him, all who are weary and heavy laden, 2017, messed up, but take heart and take my yoke. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. And when you come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, I'll give you peace for your soul. On the count of three, inhale. One, two, three, exhale. Wouldn't it be a good Sunday? That's how you truly left service and beat the Methodist to the restaurant. <laughs> the word shows me that Christ calls us to understand something. How can you call on the one in whom you've not believed is personal? How can you hear except a preacher be sent is personal? And how do your feet look this Sunday morning? Because they're beautiful if you take the word and you adhere to it and put it in shoe leather and walk it out. It's personal. Some of you are looking at me like a calf at a brand new gauges. But it's personal, this passage of Matthew 16 to me, because my mother called and said, I hate your daddy. I'm like, excuse me? 
he took another drink. He'd been sober for years, but indulged because of a diagnosis of cancer on the prostate. Went to get it checked out, took a sliver, it came back benign and to celebrate. Y'all don't want to have church? I came to be real. I came not to talk at you, but I'm a fellow struggler among you. And the struggle is real. It's personal because I didn't call you to go to San Antonio, Texas, where my father hails and have a conversation with him. But I got on a plane and went to my father to discuss again with him face to face. Behold the lamb in your Caesarea Philippi who takes away the sins of the world. I came that you, Father, would understand you're going to lose the best thing that has ever happened to you, and that is that woman hanging with you like a loose tooth. And when you recognize this, Father of mine, you got to understand what can wash away your sin. It's not the things we get in politics. It's not the stuff we have in family pedigree. It is nothing but the blood of Jesus, what can make you whole again? Nothing but the blood of Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood. Are you washed? I'm getting personal now. Not your neighbor, not the folk you could elbow, not Aunt Gertie who didn't make it this Sunday, but are you washed in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless? Are you white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? told my father behold the lamb that takes away your sin because this just got personal but scripture is not just personal in Matthew chapter 16 guess what else it says when he asks who do you say that I am he also poses the question of purposeful it's not personal alone it's also purposeful look at verse 17 of the 16th chapter it says in the word of God Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by any man, but by the Father who is in heaven. It's purposeful because in this 17th verse, God had a plan to bless. 40 years ago, I bought into the plan and I gathered around it with some other people. 40 years ago, I decided I didn't know if the plan would work and the gathering would sustain, but there were faithful believers who saw me ordained in my complete commitment to the Lord. And on the statement, which is the rock bed understanding, living, he loved me, dying, he saved me, buried, he carried my sin far away, rising, he justified, he freed me forever. And one day he's coming back. Are you going to sit like a bump on a log if it's today? When invitation is extended, will you stiff arm and say, not for me, this is too charismatic, and God is saying, no, this is purpose. And if you've been stuck, and if you've been attacked, and if you've been in warfare, and the struggle has gripped you, today is a good day to find a new purpose, to press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling, which is in Christ Jesus. No, none of us have already attained it, but one thing we could do, forget what happened 25 minutes ago when you were mad in the car because your child left their shoe. And take hold of that for which God has arrested you. Listen to this purpose. He gathers us in this sanctuary amongst other believers so that we would have a healthy understanding that we join him at a work 
that he has provided. While it's day, we must work with him because when night comes, we won't be able to lift a finger. Jesus said, go therefore into all the world, taking heed that I've come to bless you and let the world know you're blessed to be a blessing. Shout purpose. You're not here to sit on your row and mind your business and stay incubated and not bother anybody next to you. You need to lean over and let them know I'm here for you. Now I found this to be true when I went and sat in a restaurant and asked the waitress, how can I pray for you? And she sat down next to me. Who are you? No one had ever done that with as many Christians as live in Moody, Alabama. No one ever asked her, I'm here not for the Rudy Fruity Fresh and whatever the pancake is, I'm here for you. And when she sat down and told me her story, that her child was strung out on heroin and she was barely making it through the day. I had so much sweet tea, I had to run to the Walmart and get adult Depends. <laughs> so her life was touched and she kept pouring the fountain because somebody came with purpose who made it personal that God didn't come for himself, but he came seeking to serve. I hope this is good to you because it's like fire shut up in my bones. The purpose is that we join him aggressively. We join him urgently. We join him intentionally. We join Jesus boldly. And we remember we've got good news that is not good until we tell somebody else. We've got an answer to that which is horror when we know that we know the holy. We have a message to tell a dying world and you don't get to pick and choose who you share it with. He says, go therefore and let the light so shine that men will see your good works and then they'll know you his disciple by the love you show one to another. Can you preach again? I know y'all don't like to talk to each other. So just look at somebody and give them the warmth that you love them through your eyes. Go ahead, yeah. Give them your happy face is my point. And some of y'all need to come to the altar right now because if that's your happy face, <laughs> you got a face for radio. You mean, I didn't say give them your wallet. Let somebody know next to you, I'm so glad you're here. It would not have been a complete Sunday if you didn't show up. I would not have fulfilled my purpose if I didn't see you on my row. And here's the good news. You need to tell the world, not something you manufactured, not about your portfolio and your 401k, not about how your golf drive looked on last Sunday when you should have been at church, but you thought it was a beautiful day in the golf course. It is you seeing that your purpose is to tell a dying world that there's an answer to darkness and he is the light. There's an answer to pain and he is our peace. There's an answer to fear and he's the freedom personified. There's an answer to that which is hate and he is holy love, agape, that is unconditional that I don't deserve, but he lavishly pours out upon each and every one who heralds his name. There's an answer to precious, and that is the fact that he brings us promise. Here's the challenge. It's urgent, so I need to exemplify it. I need three volunteers right quick, not everybody at once, right here on the third row, you three, since y'all are close. Come on up here. I won't embarrass you. Come on up. Yep, just like the church. Here's the deal. Face each other, grab hands, and look at each other. There it is. This is the church. It has a steeple. Open the door. See all the... 
But the problem with the church is that everybody who needs to be in here is on the outside looking at the click that knows all the songs, all the verbiage, all the sanctimonious language, but the world who needs in on the outside looking. Yeah. And you're going to do scripture. Matthew 28 helps me with Matthew 16, which helps me with Romans, and that is release hands on the count of three and go forward whichever direction you're facing. Don't deviate. Go forward into the world to make a disciple. One, two, three, go. What's wrong with the picture? There's a bumping heads in the church. Not Bethel, but other churches I go to. Same scenario, same church, about face, turn around. That's the call to repentance. Grab hands. Same church, same steeple. Open the doors, they're looking for all the people. When they release their hands this time, they're going to press forward wherever direction they're facing. And when you get there, tell them, I found the answer. On the count of three, one, two, three, go. Whatever direction you're facing, wherever you need to be, some folk will run from you. You're not going to tell the preacher, okay, keep going, girl, carry on. <laughs> he already knows. I might not. Y'all may be seated. Give them a hand. They're like, well, huh? <laughs> Problem with the picture is that they thought it was rhetorical. They never told anybody, I know the answer. And that's how we make church on Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, rhetorical. Preacher may have or may not have touched us where we live, and so we leave the same way we came in, not fulfilling our purpose. The world is dying, and they need the living bread. And if you have the answer, you are a monster if you keep it to yourself. The next thing you need to know so I can get out your way, not only is it personal. Not only is Matthew 16 purposeful, but the word of the living God is also positional. Say positional. I was driven by the call 40 years ago. Do you know what the drive is for me today? The same gospel message. Jesus Christ, the lamb who came, who is, and who will forever be. That same irresistible call to a relevant master makes me have running in my feet. It's positional because verse 17 says blessed. And when you say blessed, you're talking about who you are and not what you just hope to be. It echoes when you look at it in Ephesians 1.3. You're blessed in heavenly places with all spiritual blessings today. It's not in the sweet by and by, and Jesus does not sleep on the Milky Way. He's calling you to personal, purposeful position. And in your position of being blessed, God reveals his truth. Church and the prophetic movement is about reaching people, seeking to save the lost. It's about a gracious assembly of those who understand the truth. And those who are believers around blessing are those who can't keep it to themselves. You got to have a case of the can't help it and be as contagious as a yawn. If I just say yawn, folk will struggle. You'll fight it, but it's coming. And if I demonstrate, some of y'all already beat me to the punch. It's contagious. But is your faith? Does someone on the block around the corner know you're here this Sunday? because of how you touch them contagiously throughout the week. I got you right there, brother, I saw it, it's contagious. Will someone know 
that it mattered came because you cannot walk away from this experience without fulfilling what you saw, what you've read, and what you know about the word. Many of you are drug babies like me. You were drugged to church every Sunday, born on pew number four. But nothing's different about you now because you're comfortable in whatever you were brought up in. I cannot sit idly by and watch a world destroyed when I have an answer to destruction and its deliverance. This word is positional. Why? Because we have experienced the blessing of God in Christ Jesus and our foundation has been laid for eternal praise of a God for his sovereign plan. A blessing is positional. It is our understanding we are blessed where we are in our posture with God and we are blessed by the blessor and because we're blessed by the blessor we're to pass on the blessing to everybody in our sphere of influence and let the world know he's real and a reward of those who diligently seek his face I've held the hem of his garment and I refused to let go until I was totally transformed. And because in him I live, move, and have my being, he has the right to speak through this vessel and the light shines brightly. Men see good works and guess who gets the glory? God gets all the praise he so richly deserves. Do you want to join him? Do you want to not tarry in a boat where you're clashing and bumping heads and someone sat on your pew, in your row, in your spot? I was there at a First Baptist Church, not going to tell you which one, sat preparing to preach. They didn't look at the memo well because they didn't know I'd have a tan like I do. <laughs> so when they got to their row, to their section of the pew and stared me down because I was in their seat, it only dawned on them when I moved politely and then took the platform that that's the guest preacher. I just told to get out of my pew. Uh, you know, if you can't say amen, say ouch. The challenge in this word is that in position, I asked Jesus today, what is your assignment for me? His answer is the same thing I told you to do last time. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It is the gospel privilege to not try and deviate and come up with your own plan. Because once we get this right, he may graduate us to some heavier stuff. And today I get to respond. Here am I. Send me fresh. Send me encouraged. Pastor, don't be weary in well-doing. Keep fighting the good fight of faith. You stand, introduce yourself, crickets. We should have lost our mind in here applauding the man of God, the angel of the house, and know not to make him haughty and arrogant and nose in the air, but to encourage him that we are team God. And we want you to succeed because when the head is succeeding, then the body is healthy. And this man protects your soul. Brad protects your soul and your children's soul. You have leadership on staff that are about the business of being in position to say, I'm looking for others who are, here I am, send me crowd. I'm looking for those who will say with me, I'm the redeemed of the Lord and we know our redeemer live it. I look for those who with purpose and position who are personally driven, who understand 
I know I need to say something, but preacher, what do I say? I got it. Here's what you say. I came to remind you to take initiative to tell the world not only what you saw and what you heard from God, not only what you know, but tell the world you have the answer. And it's who he is. You know what we do. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. But that's wrong theology. God said it. That settles it whether you and I believe it or not. I'm telling people who he is and not just what I think about him. And it becomes from personal to purposeful to positional, it then becomes prayerful. Anyone? Before you got here, you prayed till sweat like drops of blood fell from your brow? Anybody in your Caesarea Philippi got on your face because questions were asked, who is this Jesus? And people were saying John, and people were saying Trump, and people were saying, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> people were saying whoever they thought was the people should be elevated. And God says, it is I. I am that I am. And I'm here today. And I'm coming for you on every row from the balcony to the front pew. And I want you to know it could be well with your soul. And just as I am, without one plea, here I come, God. I don't have it all together, church. I'm not the smartest. I'm not the sharpest. I'm not the one who has all the degrees like a thermometer from the wall, but I get prayerful, and in my prayer posture, I'm blessed. And because I'm blessed, I am not an afterthought. My spouse doesn't love me. Jesus does. My children are cross-eyed and crazy, but I serve a risen Savior. Anybody got kids that act just like the other side of the family? <laughs> and God says the apple don't fall. I'm forgiven. I'm foreknown. I am chosen. I'm adopted. I met a child upstairs who introduced herself, gave me a hug, and said, I've just been adopted. Proud to be in the family, and we ought to celebrate. And she grinned from ear to ear. I'm like, precious one, that is amazing. And then I have a brother, and I have a sister, and they're adopted too. We ought to turn backflips and sprint up and down the aisle because God has grafted us in to the family we should have never belonged to. I pray because I understand I'm free, and not barely free, I'm free indeed. I'm abundantly free. I am chocolate covering for Jesus. He's all on the inside, and I'm calling him wonderful, counselor, mighty God, prince of peace, everlasting father, waymaker, mind regulator, bridge over troubled waters. He's my first, my last, my alpha, my omega. He is my all and all, and I should never frown when I got greater on the inside than any problem from 2017 that matriculated into my 2018 that I could ever face. Guess I'm the only one. Y'all don't have to talk to me, but I brought my own amens to let you know I am challenged to point out who I am not. I am not the great I am, but I know him. I am not your answer. I'm a horrible God. Don't follow me. But I know the one in whom we live. And I'm persuaded he's able 
to keep that which we've committed as his word declares unto him against the day when you won't be able to lift up a finger, when you won't be able to do anything about your issue, when you won't be able to stand. He comes that you might have life and life more abundant. Can I hurry up? Three more people. Right quick. I need you to come on up here. Come on, sister, right there, black shirt. Yes, ma'am. Come on, you fellas that help with the podium, come on up here. We can move expeditiously. Three people. When I get personal, when I get purposeful, when I get positional, when I become prayerful, I then recognize that Jesus, get here in the middle, one of y'all, there you are. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What does that mean? He knew me before my mom and daddy's dance. Jesus, hug me, please. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. This ain't creepy at all. He knew me before I blew it. And I remember the day I was born. I came out the womb minding my own business. I was a good kid. Drop dead gorgeous. All that stuff happening. And the nurse plat out, slapped me for no apparent reason at all. Y'all remember that day? When you were born? I screamed, bloody murder. Ah! Why you hit me? I didn't do nothing. You know what I said? You will. Jesus knew that I would. And he held me in my past and said, I'm pushing you to your present. Jesus, hug me, please. <laughs> <laughs> I got to hurry. Y'all keep slowing me down. And in my present, he knows that I still blow it, that I fall short of the glory. But the same God yesterday keeps me in my today, and he lets me know justified, just as if I never blew it at all. Pushes me into the next, thank you, <laughs> ready to receive me, wrapped up, tied up, tangled up in his love, because he, the same yesterday, today, and forever has my future in his hands. Is there anybody here? Give them some love. Y'all may be seated. <laughs> Who knows my Jesus looks beyond our fault and he sees us at the point of our need. That Jesus, I pray, is the one who eternally past is taking care of us. That's the one who in our eternity present understands and cares for us still. And that's the one in eternity future who says your salvation is totally secure. Nothing can separate you from my love. Nothing high, nothing low, nothing past, nothing present. Are y'all ready to do something? Because at the close of this service, personally, if the word is, purposefully, if you found it to be, positionally, if you'll acknowledge the great I am, and prayerfully, to my left, you get to come and you get to convert from what you were settling for today. What does it look like? About face, turn around, repentant. You're coming, my left, your right to say, you know what? I've not bent the knee in a very long time. I've not served what God has declared by answering the question, who I think he is. I've been one who's remiss, and I want to be free through my repentance so that he can use me as he ordained before I was birthed from the womb. That's conversion. 
That's me saying I need the Savior, and I need him today. And that's for those who've never acknowledged him and made him public, because what you're coming to do is not to show out. It is for you to show up and be the church. I wear a wedding ring. I've been married 28 years to the same woman. I tell her you're welcome every day. And she says, what else you got? <laughs> but I wear a wedding ring, and I don't have to because I'm a grown man, Kenyatta. I can wear what I want to. I'm in Birmingham. She ain't here. Do you know why I wear my wedding ring in Birmingham without my bride present? Because I like my teeth. <laughs> and y'all will tell on me. This Facebook Live is a serious thing. And she'll find out you didn't have your ring on. And I have to move to Moody, Alabama. Ain't nobody got time <laughs> to transition like that. Conversion says, I'm putting on the ring to let the world know I'm no longer on the market. I got the relationship that makes me complete. To my right, your left, you're coming to consecrate. You already know him. You've already committed. But you're coming to say, I don't act clean. I don't live like I should. And I'm coming to trust Christ for forgiveness. I want to trust him to clean me up and wash me. Here's my last point. I'm running out of time. But what Jesus said, it's not just personal. It's not just purposeful. It's not just positional. It's not just prayerful. It's powerful. The gates of H-E double hockey sticks, I almost said hell, will not prevail. Hades will not overthrow. No liberal conglomerate, no traditionalism, no Christian scandal, no religiosity will be able to stand against the mobilization of the message through the ecclesia, the free people who called by God's name, humbling themselves, praying, seeking his face, turning from their wicked ways, converting, consecrating. He will hear from heaven, forgive your sin. Watch this, and he'll heal Moody. He'll heal your land. Whatever befalls you, God says, I'm able to do exceedingly, abundantly above what could be asked, thought, or imagined. You can't stop him. And in order for me to grasp it, and I'm done, a friend of mine, Dave Nasser, tells a story about preaching. And he preached at an experience of a collegiate millennial gathering. And in the gathering, he saw the people mouth-wateringly receive the word, like you are, on the edge of their seat. Give me more, give me more. And his wife elbowed him and said, they get it. So on the elevator, they were leaving town, having completed the conference week. They were in one of those hotel conference experiences where the rooms attached to the ballroom, you do it all on one site. And as he was leaving, he was like, yes, we did this, and they got this. I cannot believe everybody was attentive, and they came to respond to the word. And then the elevator opened, and a maid got on, weeping. And he was a great preacher, but a horrible counselor. Y'all know some folk? Do Sunday school well, but not real personable, no bedside manner. They're going to get you through the curriculum. But after class, you're on your own. Not here, but other churches I go to. So the maid gets on. She's crying. He looks at his wife. She's a woman. You do this. She looked at him. You the preacher. You talk. Guess who won that? The bride. 
And so all he could think of to help this crying maid was to reach in his pocket and say, gum? That's horrible counseling. And then she elbowed him again. He, he came to, woman, what's wrong with you? And she said, these people. <laughs> what's wrong with them? And all of a sudden, everything he thought he accomplished was a dream deferred. Dashed was his expectation that they received. And he said, lady, I don't really know them. I'm here to preach to these heathens. Maybe they were overdosed on Mountain Dew, sleep deprived. I don't know what's wrong with them. And then she continued, I go to their rooms. Their rooms are already clean. And they keep telling me about this man named Jesus. He said, Jesus, Jesus. She's crying. And then they keep giving me money. She pulled out a wad of some $2,400 that students, collegiates, millennials, broken the Ten Commandments gave her. Y'all will catch that at lunch, what I just told you. And he said, woman, I am their Yoda. I've been training them all week long. He took credit then when he saw that. Here's my last point, and then the worship team, come forward, because you get to respond to Matthew chapter 16. She's crying, what's wrong with them? The rooms are clean, they give me money. I needed a touch, and I received it. He said, can I tell you what's wrong with them? What is it? Jesus is what's wrong with them. I wonder what the of the world will say about you when they encounter you fresh from Matthew chapter 16. The doors of the church are open. A time to convert from what you were settling for and to consecrate until you're totally cleansed from the heavy burden you've been carrying. Divorce, the threat of losing your employment, parental crises. You too are in the midst of an America where you're disillusioned, don't know who to trust, fighting for your party position instead of being positioned in the son of the living. I'm done, but the spirit is speaking. As you stand, Maybe you need to come and bend the knee. Pastor's going to be here. Brad is going to be here. And we need to pray. Because I've been positioned to make personal what is powerful through prayerful purpose. And Jesus says, nothing will overcome you. No weapon! formed against that free people can prosper this Sunday. And that ain't just good news. That's Tony the Tiger. Great news. Stand and respond. Bring your spouse. Bring your struggle. Bring your family. Bring your child. Bring your singleness. The fact that you're always the bridesmaid, never the bride. And watch God meet you at the point of your need, never to leave you but to supply everything according to his riches through Christ Jesus.